Well, the palm trees are now silhouetted against a clear blue sky that is getting ever darker as evening begins to fall in the modern piazza in the centre of Pescara here on the Adriatic coast. It's been a glorious sunny day and now the crowds are gathering in front of a vast stage with a colossal array of bright lights that are shining down on its emptiness at the moment as the uh, anthems begin to play through the loudspeakers and echo around this piazza. The Giro d'Italia is upon us and for the next three weeks everything here and everything on this podcast will get decidedly pink. Ciao Davide. Ciao Ned. Ciao. Ciao. Bello, bello. (laughs) You love it. This is like, I do, this is like two years ago where we set the alarm for frighteningly early every single day. Every single day. Every single day we did a Giro d'Italia podcast. Remote. (coughs) Remote podcast. Well, um, here we are again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm quite remote as well sometimes in Italy. But I've got the, I've got, um, I've got the doors, I've got a balcony. Um, you know, at the beginning of a grand tour, you and it always lulls you into a full sense of security. You have like sometimes three, maybe even four nights in the same hotel. Mm, delicious. Especially if there's a, it starts with a little prologue or something, so you know, good. so that you don't jump on. Um, and you're like, oh, this so isn't is, kind of like, as bad as I remembered it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in that blissful state of kind of suspended ignorance at the moment. I've got, I've got a, a balcony in this four-star hotel. Okay. Which I share with Remco Evenepoel. I love we'll that. We'll come on to that. Yeah. Um, and I've got I've got the um, the doors to my my balcony open. The sun is streaming in through the balcony as I look literally out onto the Adriatic coast, oh, the beach that stretches wow. for miles and miles and miles. Um, have you been for a gelato? Most, uh, I have. I had a gelato yesterday afternoon. Nice. I had. Oh my god! Tomorrow's individual time trial finishes in Ortona, which has got a fascinating history, which I'm hopefully I'll be able to tell some of our listeners about um but we went there t- I, I drove um my colleague massey who wanted to do some filming of some shots get some lovely arty shots of ortona um with his camera and i took him up there yesterday lunchtime and we stopped for lunch uh and we had a lunch with, with um, my colleague jess as well we had a seafood lunch the likes of which i have I mean, literally, oh, like, really? I don't want to wax lyrical all month about Italian food. And often I can be quite surprisingly, well, quite, like, quite enjoy debunking the myth a little bit sometimes mm, about Italian food. But, David, when it's, when, when it's made with love and attention and care. And do you know what? I felt like, you know, the, um, the, the Rob Bryden, uh, yeah, Steve Coogan yes. trip around Liguria? Yeah. Different, different part of Italy and very different company with Massey and Jess. But there was something about the way that the two women, uh, the one sort of head waiter, for want of a better word, and the other waiter who's serving us, um, the maitre d' sort of woman, and she served served Jess a glass of sparkling wine and was constantly sort of topping up the water on our table, but not in an intrusive way, just just getting it done. Mm. And then the way the food arrived and with a very brief description of what it was, you know, placed on our table. And it, it was off the scale Smooth. and the and I, I, it was it, it, so every place they eat in in that series Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan has that vibe to it doesn't yeah, it yeah. that kind of Just yeah when they do it well they do it well, class. They do it well. Yeah. yeah yeah very good um, yeah so I guess did it, you watch the team presentation David I totally forgot you were one man banding it <laughs> oh uh, how was it um 
Well, it was how long did it last? Obviously. Number one, uh, two hours. Oof. Two hours, David. Uh. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing, the funny thing is, right, Pescara, which is um, hosting the the, the Gran Patenza, um, is a big city. I, I'd never, I've been here a couple of times on the Giro, but I'd never really appreciated quite how big it is. Um, it's the big resort on the Adriatic coast, halfway down the peninsula, so on the right-hand side mm. of Italy, in the region of Abruzzo. And it was um, it was partially uh, destroyed in in 1943 in the in the in the as the um, Allies moved up there. This uh, this area of Abruzzo was very very badly fought over and defended by the Germans for a long time. Anyway, as a result, a lot of the centre of Pescara is quite new, you know. So it's like 1960s blocks and things like that. And they set up an outdoor stage for the team presentation in the central square. I've forgotten the name of it now. And um, but around the square. Because it's not a Duomo and there's not a, a you know beautiful kind of like old Renaissance architecture. Mm. It's flats. People live there. Oh, you know? wow. So like apartments with balconies. And on the eve of the team presentation, so on Wednesday night, they, they did their second rehearsal for this show, their second of the day. And it started at 10 o'clock at night. And they had and they had the loudspeakers cranked up to eleven. And mate, you know how the Italians do these shows anyway. Yeah. And it was a two hour rehearsal and it finished at midnight at full tilt and everyone was apparently out on their balconies going, Shut up Oh wow. Why do they do it at ten o'clock at mate. night? Mate, I don't know. That seems ridiculous. Don't, it needed rehearsing because it was a, a incredibly intricate show. Mm. Complex. Mm. Told a complex narrative, David. I, I was given some notes because they, they introduced the teams in three batches, 22 teams, right? Mm-hmm. So they brought eight teams on and then there was a pause and then seven teams, another pause and then the final seven, team, t- seven teams and then a final little. And the, in these pauses, they put like three, sh- what they call shows on. Yeah. Like Rai, like a Rai car- yeah, cabaret well, show. Well, it was, yeah, it was, int- no, it was quite interpretive to oh, dance. We had, like, it was, so the first show, and I was handed these little crib sheets of um, kind of information about what I might want to say about the show. Uh, and I'll just read the first couple of lines out of the first show, right? The man, the dream, his passion and creativity will be inextricably represented by the pink energy flow. It is the inexorable thrust of the Giro. It is the passion that runs, travels, draws, reinvents, and travels places, spaces, ideals, even beyond imagination. The, <laughs> the, the pink flow of passion that runs will be the leitmotif presented on the LED walls. <laughs> oh, God. How did you not laugh? Oh, well, I, I had to abandon that sentence midway through and just button, button off a bit because I was just, I was trying to make it sound like it was my words as well. That reminds so me of the Commonwealth Games when I was listening to that and the running commentary of the opening ceremony. It was getting pretty <laughs> desperate. That that knocks it out of the park. Oh, that's so good. I'd love to get a copy. I mean, I, I write... I write a I write a column every every issue for Rouleur, which can be deeply pretentious because, um, but even that doesn't even touch the sides no. of what what um, you know. The, but I love the fact that they love their race so much. Yeah, I mean they love it. They love it in ways that you can't even begin to fathom how much they love their own race. Ah, oh. <laughs> yeah, this it's, it's, it's Italia. It's just what they do. It is Italia. They know it. it is Italia. Talking of actually Pescara and stuff, I've seen a lot of um. 
love from Richard Williams on Twitter with you because he's just keeps bringing up car races and stuff about it's going to be great. We've got to bring that stuff in. I'm going to have to read his book. Uh, t- totally, yeah. The Pescara about book, the Pescara the last race. Do I have that here? I might even have that here that I, I never got around to. Well, it, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I mean, I, it's too late for me to get hold of a copy in Italy, but I, would, I wish I'd read that and known about that before it came out because there might be a few commentary. Else. Yeah, something about some mad. I need to get the story honed in time for my commentary tomorrow. It's the Pescara Formula One Grand Prix, yeah, which was like, like fif- epic. A Fifteen miles, six circuit. cars, six cars finished or something, uh. and then that little detail of because it was such a big circuit, the biggest in the history of Formula One, and there were only six cars left for whatever reason. It must have been really attritional. There were obviously quite big gaps. Yeah between the cars and so the kids were allowed to play in the streets again oh. and, and their pet you know but they were told to look out or listen, listen out, out for the sound of yeah. lamborghinis <laughs> wow so yeah 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 good stuff so yeah. uh, tell me about um <clears throat> it's a good sign you're staying in the same hotel as the favorite that always means you're in one oh. of the best hotels and also there's no it's just pseudo quick step oh seriously uh-uh, there's no coffee dis. There's no Arkea Samsic. There's no, you know, like, with respect, Corotec. Everyone else is corralled in some uh, kind of, like, collection of hotels far, far away. So Remco's been given special treatment. I've got this picture of you sitting in the lobby with, like, cut holes in a newspaper. Just keeping... <laughs> <laughs> well, so Wednesday night, we were all having dinner in this quiet... It's only a quite small hotel. And there, were only, there were only sort of, like, of the Giro staff. There's only five or six of us staying here. Um, that how we've ended up here, I don't know. It must be a mistake. Um, <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> we were just coming through. We were having this quiet dinner um, uh, in this little dining room, and then and there were a couple of um, lot of uh, sorry, Sudal Quickstep staff, some of whom I know quite well actually. Al- Alessandro Tenier, who used to be their press attaché for years, and is too senior now to get his hands dirty, but he's he's arrived to look after the Remco project. Um, and then at about half nine or nine o'clock at night. Remco arrived from the airport with his little travel bag wearing like a grey hoodie tracksuit thing with some wristwatch on his on his left arm not his right arm like Pete wears his but his his left his left arm and it was like one of the ones that I think it's like one of the ones that Cav wears you know like one of his Richard Mille like £150,000 watches yeah at least, at least. Probably. And he sat there, but they, they had some food put aside for him and he just kind of wolfed it down. And what impressed me, David, is it, it looked like normal food. Mm. It looked like kind of chicken and chips. <laughs> I would, <laughs> sort of I it didn't put it past him. Didn't look special. Yeah. Didn't look special. And he, he got, got involved in the dessert as well, which I quite liked. Yeah. And then just kind of kind of held court a bit, you know, surrounded by men twice his age. That's awesome. Uh, you know, all the grizzly backroom staff of Sudal Quickstep. Uh, Do you know... A, a thought occurred to me, David. I was uh, just when I was having a shower just now about bike, bike te- the teams behind mm. the bike, the riders, you know, at, on, at world tour level, and how when I come to the Giro, I'm always amazed at how Italian the backroom staff is across the world tour. It's so true, the mechanics, yeah. some <clears> of <throat> the Swannies, the DS staff, they are. It is still an incredibly Italian sort of mm. milieu. That isn't it? It's true. It is quite a an Italian. It's, it's a, a metier that they take great pride metier. in, you know, so it's being a, a mechanic. I have to say, when I when I, I was obviously mainly on French and then an American team, but I had, when I was in French team, Italian Swinier, and the the passion they have far exceeds any other nationality. And it's like, it's like you were saying just before about how they're so proud of their race. 
having Italian staff, they they so and and it's almost it's kind of oxymoronic. We expect Italians to be that kind of a little bit kind of bene, sort of a little bit chilled out, kind of not so a little bit laissez-faire. But when it comes to kind of being working behind the scenes, they are so passionate about it. It means it's a bit like Pete when he gets like really emotional about something. It's yeah, because Pete's yeah. got a bit of Italian in him. And oh, he's basically Italian. He's basically Italian. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah. But so an Italian mechanic, you know, they're going to take great pride in the work they do on the bike. And an Italian carer, their their rider is their rider. And then they have this sort of. And then what's interesting, they got this kind of mafiosi sort of network between them, between all the other teams, so they can they'll help each other out, you know. And you want to make sure you don't get on the wrong side of one of the Italians because then that transfers around all the teams. And, yeah, <laughs> so they do have a network. They yeah. kind of they'll stab each other in the back, but at the same time they'll look after each other hugely. So you're right, and I, I hadn't actually thought about that before because I thought that was something that was super retro. But it's interesting that that's still happening, uh, right? So it's kind of endured way beyond their success as a nation on the bike. Because, yeah, you know, N- Nibali was the last great, and it's been a number of years since he was winning this race now. And um, you know, th- their big star that they were hoping would light up the Giro, Giulio Ciccone who's not who's not a great star is he yet he's a he's kind of no. work in progress a little bit still Absolutely. but um he's 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 had he's contracted covid and can't come which is a sort of hammer blow to the italian interest Jeez. in the race um so yeah and but i i also know that you know horses for courses i think because it's the giro and it's the italian race all the italian staff who are you know employed by any one team they'll be they'll be coming to this race you know yeah so so it's a little bit sort of tilted. It's not necessarily representative no. of how many Italians are uh, operating behind the scenes, but yeah, 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 it's interesting. I think it's probably is. It is. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just pleased that still exists because it's kind of you think it's all mm. just gone completely anglicised, and uh, it's not the case. So not to case, have that still, and actually, and let's yeah. not forget that that Sudal Quickstep was actually effectively an Italian team when it kind of remember that yeah. it was Mape. You know, yeah, it was true, like it? one of the true. most Italian teams in history. It's always been that's yeah. always been this weird alchemy, hasn't it, with Sudar Quickstep yeah. and Patrick Lefebvre's yeah. team because it it is the most most Flandrian team out there, but it's also the most Italian team out there. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of it's, but I guess people don't realize that they don't realize that actually behind the scenes it's more Italian than it is Flandrian, but externally yeah. and yeah. in their racecraft they're very much Flandrian. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Cool, but I mean, also both the UAE team Emirates, oh god, and yeah, super Italian. You know, both of them are basically Italian yeah. projects, aren't they? Yeah. Like, uh, in sort of behind the scenes, definitely yeah. UAE. Mm. Um, anyway, so there we were, there we were last night, enjoying all that. And um, what, what, just, just quickly, what are your what were your first impressions? Have you seen Remco in real life before? No, no, because I don't get out, do I? True, I'm stuck in the booth. What, the what was? Did he have an aura? So, I think so. Nice. <laughs> but I, <laughs> You're but super I was, sleek. I was roundly condemned by the colleagues who I was trying to have dinner with because I'll be honest, David, as soon as he entered the room and sat you know, at a table next to us, I didn't contribute to the conversation at our table <laughs> at all. And at one point, I swear, at one point, because then, like, you know how dinners are in hotels at bike races. People sort of get up and leave. They say, I'm going to get an early night. Bye. And so a a seat became available. 
Round <laughs> a seat became available round the other side of the table where I could get a better look. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> where God. I could get a better look at Remco. So I moved unnecessarily. I kind of moved my plates, my dessert, and my glass like round to this empty seat, and I just kind of sat so I could just kick back. But I wasn't saying anything. I wasn't sort of like I was just, I was just staring to be honest. <laughs> um, That's so good. <laughs> you can just imagine that the rest of the table eventually leaves you just sitting there, just like just staring at Remco. <laughs> <laughs> fully weird fully weird but um i love the fact you still weird yourself out at your schlooging i but he but he but David, he's got, he does have it's like special isn't it like it's not with respect it wasn't no, he is special not, he's not he's not normal he's not normal but you haven't uh, ha- but he's, however yeah i've i've got a feeling he's not going to win the race come on why you just got you just got one of your six like you did with vungegaard last year at the tour yeah, well, did go, no, well, no you're kind of nailed. Yeah, no, you said Vingegaard's yeah, going to win. You I didn't did. say, I wrote it down. Yeah, you did on stage one. Wrote it but down. was that yeah, a feeling that Pogaccio wasn't going to win, or a feeling that? Po- yeah, I think so. I that think was so. more of a feeling that Pogaccio wasn't going to win. Yeah, I think so. So, you ha- so who's so. so who are you going to put down as the? Well, it's Rog, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, it has to be. And there is, there is just a possibility, and I, I kind of for the for the benefit of the race, I really hope this happens that. Um, because everything is so clearly kind of focused on these two and they are so and there is such a gap theoretically there is such a gap between those two and everyone else as we saw you know when they went head to head in yeah. uh, Catalonia where, where it was great every single day they were dueling and it was you mm. know one day one, one was on top and the margin of victory in the end was what, a couple of seconds wasn't it yeah. Roglic won the race by um, because there is such a gap that there are I think there are three teams that can kind of move into that space and are packed with good riders where they just need to be a bit careful, don't they, Jumbo mm. Visma and Sudal Quickstep, that they don't forget there are, that, that there are other teams in this race. Mm-hmm. A little bit careful. Because, so, um, Bora Hansgrohe, who let's, let's remember, are in, in inverted commas, although I hate this phrase in cycling because it doesn't really apply, but they are the defending champions, yes. right? T- turns out Jai Hindley isn't here. Mm. Uh, but, but a lot of the team that did deliver Hindley to the right moment where he could win the race last year are here and they rode a brilliant race you know and Leonard Kemner who we know all about I think is it just entirely he's a good time trialist Mm -hmm. as well so he's not going to lose a lot of time in the in the tests um but he he occupies exactly that kind of space where they're gonna have to keep an eye on him I think Mm. um Ineos Grenadiers obviously great team you know they're the only they're the only team they're the only team outside of the big two who bring Grand Tour winners yeah. to, to the race. Geraint Thomas and Theo Gegenhardt. Theo's the only former Giro winner here. That's wild, isn't it? I saw your tweet yesterday about wild. kind of just how they never come back. Yeah, so the stat I unearthed yesterday was that the last five winners of the Giro haven't come back. That's bonkers. I mean, in the case of Egan Bernal, there were good reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the trend, you know, but arguably he wouldn't have come back anyway. No. <laughs> you know, um, in fact, he, he wouldn't have done, would he? Because he would have been concentrating on the Tour de France. So, and then the other statistic that kind of goes hand in hand with that is that the last Giro winner to ever win another Grand Tour at all was Nairo Quintana in 2014. Wow. He won the Giro in 2014 and then he won the Vuelta in 2016. Every subsequent winner after Quintana in 2014 has never won a Grand Tour again. Hmm. The curse of the pink jersey. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I think this—I think this one, this 
race will buck the trend a bit. I think this. I think this is. So even Roglic. So, so Roglic, his last Grand Tour win was the Giro. He's not won the Giro, David. He's not won the Giro. Those, of course, he's not won the Giro. He's won the pink jersey. He's, he's pulled up shorts. Yeah, he's worn the pink jersey. Should have won the Giro. Yeah, but you know, it was it was that Roglic. So yeah. this slightly contradicts my feeling about him, but but it was that you know back in the day where he had this tendency just to crumble a little bit under yeah, pressure. Yeah, 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 yeah. At the death, um, at the very. So death. the only let's not forget Primoz has won the only Grand Tours he's Vuelta. won are the three Vueltas yeah. back to back. I mean that's not bad, but it is the kind of all or nothing. That's Grand so surprising. I just kind of had it in my head that he'd won won the Giro. And you realise, oh God, he's only ever won, uh, only won the Vuelta. Huh. Yeah, it's one of those ones where you have to double check that yeah. fact, don't you, before you yeah. commit to it. But uh, it's it is a bit nuts. So anyway, yeah. to go back to these disruptor teams, Bora Hansgrohe <coughs> definitely because Vlasov and Kemner, mm-hmm. two good ones there. Um, uh, Ineos Grenadiers with Thomas and Gegenhardt, going to be fascinating to see how that plays out mm-hmm. because obviously I would imagine you know this, uh, tomorrow's a nineteen-kilometer time trial. Normally, Geraint Thomas should take quite an advantage on Theo Gegenhart mm-hmm. after 19 kilometers. And so that would be interesting to watch how that plays out. But, you know, they, they obviously would benefit from keeping both of them as high up in GC for as long as possible as, uh, as they can. Um, and then the other team is Bahrain Victorious, who have Damiana Caruso, Jack Haig, uh, Gino Meda, and uh, Santiago Butrago, little c- Colombian climber who huh. took a brilliant stage victory here uh, last year. I mean, they've got four dangerous riders there. Um, so they're the kind of this year's Movi star, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, you know, um, who's got a really good team as well is UAE. Mm. Interesting, Joao Almeida. Um, he it's quite monolithic in in the sense that I think it yeah. would be all about Joao Almeida. Mm. Although Jay Vine, the interest, the interesting one to watch out for is Jay Vine. Mm. So Jay, for those for those listeners who don't know, Jay is the, you know this kind of like. Uh, manufactured rider who who's modern li- cyclist who, yeah the Zwift machine who turned to road racing and turned out to make make it look ridiculously easy mm. um, by taking two stages of the Vuelta last year uh, both both of, well one was from a breakaway and then the next one was from the GC group as far as I remember yeah it was yeah you're so right incredibly impressive um, he is now also He's won the Australian... Um, time trial championships. Time trial championships, which is presumably, David, one of the hardest to win. Yeah, you're up against like world champion, former world champion, you know, Rohan Dennis. And, yeah, Durbridge. There's a, Durbridge. It's a yeah, whole yeah. kind of litany yeah. of great TTs. Yeah, so, I mean, Jay so Vine really a, is a dark horse. He's, he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a, I put some money on him. <laughs> 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 Months ago, I put some money on him, so I'm yeah, I'm I'm fully buying into that. I think he's a dark horse. Mm. Um, I think he might even go really well. If, if he does a really good time trial tomorrow, that's going to put the fear up a lot of people. I think because yeah. he's he's just he's just kind of so unknown. But the stuff he did at the Vuelta last year, he was as you said, he kind of made a mockery out of people. And the fact he could do it from a long breakaway and from a GC group, everyone was like, yeah. okay, this could be the real deal. And then yeah. then going and winning the time trial national championships in Australia. That's kind yeah, of sent, yeah, got to be yeah. kind of putting the cat amongst the pigeons a bit. We've also got no idea how he's going because he hasn't shown himself because Injured. he started he started the UAE tour and then had to pull out with a knee injury. Mm. That, that, that I think is, mm, that's interesting. I think it's behind him. But then again, he was down to ride the Tour de Romandie in preparation and he didn't turn up for that. He won the Tour so, Down Under this year as well. I didn't even realise that. He won the Tour Down Under. Oof, yeah, so he was quite, fine. He's quite good. Yeah, he's quite good. Um, 
Ah. Yeah, there yeah. we go. So UAE uh, and Bahrain victorious, and there we go. And um, and then the sprinters, well, it's kind of slim pickings, really, for them. Um, Pascal Ackerman is here. Uh, there's no Elia Viviani. Mark Cavendish is here with Astana. Mm. Um, Gaviria. Uh, Gaviria is probably the standout name, along mm. with Maz Pedersen uh, for mm. Trek Segafredo. F but Fernando Gaviria is going pretty well for Movistar. Movistar is so weird, David. Because <laughs> <laughs> just, just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> just leave it there. Yeah, just stop. Leave it there. But they've... I can't remember them coming to the Giro or indeed any Grand Tour without any GC ambitions. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. Just nothing. Just, like they've just got Gaviria and a few chances. Just come for a, you know? come for a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Max, isn't it? It's Max Chiandri. Is Max DSing? Max, of course he is. He turned up on the, um, on the stage last night wearing um, a kind of like standard issue Movistar uh, polo shirt or, or <laughs> hoodie or something. Uh, and he had to walk in sort of behind some lady carrying a flag. Uh, and he had, to, and he stood there, at, but he was wearing, I mean, I don't know what age Max is now, but he's well into his 40s, right? Uh, 50s. Um, I was in his 50s, yeah. Max. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, he stood there wearing an ill-advised pair of jeans, in my opinion. They were quite tight. They were overcomplicated. They were quite tight, but they were overcomplicated by an unnecessary amount of adornments oh, nice. and rips oh, yeah. and extra little pockets very and good. bits and pieces and patches. So uh, they were very, very intricate. So it's like upstairs, <laughs> uh, going to work and downstairs, party. Party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Exactly Max. But that, that, that dichotomy is actually represented in his name, isn't it? Because Max, Max. is quite a workman-like name. So yeah. Max, the upstairs bit. Yeah. And then and Shandri is all party. Shandri. Yeah, he is. That sums yeah, him up. Yeah, yeah, Bless him. Yeah. Um, so there we go. So, I mean, I don't know if there's any point in us previewing it because better podcasts do that than us. Yeah, no, it's no so we can kind of, yeah. It's time trial the first day because you're going to be podding regularly anyway. I'm going to be podding every day one way or another. It'd be nice to try and pod after the... Are you going to be able to watch the race tomorrow, do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, the I will. Trial. I'm going to <laughs> watch Harvey play basketball, but I'll have it on my phone. I'll do both. Okay. Yeah. You're, and also, it's a time trial, so you could probably just read the spreadsheet at the end of the day. It's totally so true. But I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm definitely going to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. There is a chance that... Um, so the, the, the Giro are so pleased, and so am I, that Remco Evenepoel is here as world champion in the rainbow bands, etc., etc., etc. But mm. I think there's a strong possibility that um, Remco it will not be seen at the Giro d'Italia in the rainbow bands. Because oh, cool! Just straight into the jersey. I think he'll take. I th well, either the pink or certainly the white. He'll be in the oh, white jersey that's tomorrow. So Come annoying May, for the Giro. And then, and then that's done, isn't it? Because who's going to take the white jersey from Remco Evenepoel? Oh, that's gutting. That's even gutting for Remco. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, oh, I, so yeah. they shouldn't have put a time trap. They should have made a sprint for stage they one. They didn't know, did they? They didn't know. They didn't know. <laughs> How could they have predicted anyway, the world champion would come? Yeah, we got a time trap. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to round it off, David, because a, there is a debut for well, two debuts at the Giro d'Italia. One for an Italian team, Team Corotec, who um, are probably the least well known of the second division Italian teams, the pro teams. Mm. Uh, but they're a decent, you know, very professionally run uh, and, and, and good outfit. Um, they have come to this race only because Lotto Destiny, who are now a second division team, having been relegated oh, yeah. last yeah. year, were offered a wild card place, B, 
being because they top yeah. they're top of the standings. But um, they said, "Nah, we're all right, thanks." Seriously. Year. So they so they haven't come to the Giro. That's pretty clever, actually. So, that, so they're taking advantage of not having to go because exactly. as a World Tour team, you have to do all these races, and it puts teams under so much stress. So mm. they've kind of almost embraced the fact they're in con- pro Conti and gone. Well, you know what? We don't have exactly. to do that. Why should we? Yeah. Good on them. Yeah. Interesting. So Lotto Destiny aren't here, which is kind of weird not to have them not here, but they're not here. Anyway, opened the door for the wildcard to be extended to Corotech. So they had no idea they were going to be in the Giro d'Italia at the beginning of this year, mm. nor did their new signing, um, uh, Charlie Quarterman, who is uh, a name that will be familiar to some of you who follow the sport uh, very closely because he's ridden at World Tour level with Trek Segafredo, but he's had a real roller coaster career. Um, that featured a couple of years ago when he was riding for Trek a colossal head injury, a bad, bad concussion that he, I think it was Omelette Head Newsblad when he was off the back and he was fiddling with his radio and he rode at speed into the back of a parked car uh, and can't remember much about the accident but uh, had, a, had a really bad concussion that affected the rest of his career um, with Trek Segafredo. So he lost his ride at World Tour wow. but as he describes um, in this interview that I'm about to play he's kind of made it back to, to, to um, Team Corotech. But David, last year he was, he was basically racing amateur. He lives near like, Lake Annecy in France and he's lived there for a long time. He's actually a fluent French speaker and he's completing as he tells us um, a, 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 or he's just started doing a degree in economics at a French university wow. while he's racing as well. So he's super bright. Um, but last year, David, he was, he was racing all these, all these uh, French kind of partly amateur races that I think a lot of them would have been very, very familiar to you. And I think I get the impression you really enjoyed it. You yeah. really enjoyed the racing. Yeah, they are. They're great races, those. And I think we mentioned, uh, I've mentioned recently, so people were asking about the British cycling scene. And I said, it's so interesting how it's gone full circle because I don't think we've ever had as many British riders in the pro peloton, and yet most of them we haven't heard of. And that's going back to the kind of what we used to refer to as the Foreign Legion. There is no real British racing season, like British racing, uh, how do you put it? There's no teams left anymore. There's very few races. There's none of the kind of the Olympic British cycling kind of development programs that are targeting the road. So riders are having to disappear onto the continent and do it the way I did it, which I don't think is a bad thing. You learn the language, you get to do all these fun races, you kind of disappear into the culture. So in a way, it's quite nice it's gone full culture and I think a full circle. And I think it's really cool that Charlie's kind of doing that because it, it seems like he's embracing it. Let's hear, let's hear, I'll tell you what, let's hear from uh, uh, Charlie Quarterman now. Charlie, we've not met before, which is um, which is uh, great. It was a sort of like message out of the blue, wasn't it, this morning? I just sort of thought, why not? Why not? A, a little bit, and it's actually a little bit of a strange situation because I'm because I listen to the podcast. It feels like I know you quite well. <laughs> <laughs> a podcast listener. There are very few, I think, in the professional peloton. Well, I don't know actually. I suspect there are very few who listen to Never Strays Far. I'll, I'll be honest. Not many of my Italian uh, my Italian teammates, anyway. No, but not you've them. got three weeks to you know kind of let them know that it's mm. there. Um, but even those who do. Maybe listen to it. Probably don't admit to listening to it. I, I would imagine that would be the case. I'm so. proud. I'm proud to, to stray far from the, from the other cyclists. Um, brilliant, Charlie. I, I know that you you've been sort of like um, quite a present uh, kind of presence, if that's not tautology, which it is, um, on the domestic scene. And I know that you know you've given a number of interviews, you've written bits and pieces, haven't you, in diaries, and kept people updated about your career over the last few years. Um, so, so there'll be plenty of people who are very familiar with um, 
the kind of circuitous path that you've taken to the start line of the Giro. But if you could sum it up, what have you been up to the last few years? Oh, it's really hard to, to sum it up. I wish it was more simple to sum up, actually, if I just stayed on one team <laughs> and kind of gone, uh, always gone in the right direction. Uh, so I was lucky enough with... Uh, with the way things happened in back in 2019, um, I made, did a few results in the under 23 Giro before winning national championships uh, time trial. The you under got the under 23 title, didn't you? Yeah. Time, time trial. And, uh, and at, at the um, Piccolo Giro, you got a couple of podiums. Did you got a third place? Uh, it was a fourth in the prologue and a third later on. But it, it was yeah. more about the way I did it. It was kind of a big solo move, bridging across to a breakaway that was yeah. uh, oh, uh, quite a way ahead. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a mad couple of months to finish with me signing for, for Trek Sigafredo, which it, it's really fantastic, But and I, I would have been mad to say no, but I think it probably came a little bit too early. Um, so the first year with Trek, as well as the the big pause in the middle with, with COVID, mm. um, it, it was, yeah, it was, there was a lot to learn, basically. What kind of ride, so you would have been, what, 20 when you signed for them? 21, 21 I think. 21, just yeah. 21. Um, what kind of rider do you think that they signed... You know, when they signed you, what, were they, what, what did they identify in you from what they'd seen in terms of your performance? Um, for, well, it was a little bit hard to know, actually. They, as far as I'm aware, they, they signed a, a time trialist that had potential in the classics and could uh, could do do lots of work as a domestic, which is true. Um, I think I, <laughs> in the classics, it's a bit of a different story because it's not um, it's a little bit more complicated than I expected. And uh, you also need the opportunities. And for me, it's always been the positioning it's been tough, but on the physiological side of things, I, I think I did always do quite a good job for the team. And uh, uh, the time trying need, needs a bit of work. It's just difficult because the level is so high now. And uh, with all the technological advances, yes, it's, it's hard to keep up when <laughs> when you're, I know, when you're just getting the standard equipment from the team. Yeah. If you have a look at, um, I don't know, Filippo Ganna's bike, for yeah. example, it yeah. looks like a spaceship, really. I mean, I, c I think I consistently underestimate the the get the gains and losses that can be sustained or, or kind of like endured by by having the wrong equipment it's it's really significant isn't it yeah but I, I mean well I'm for and, and against it at the same time I'm for because it's really cool to see to see these <laughs> how fast you can go yeah basically. that's it yeah, that's yeah, it yeah. but um but then it, it it is also the race of truth as we say yeah um, and I know would it would be better if we're all in the same aerodynamic position and it was about power. Yeah. But I say that I'd probably lose still, so <laughs> I don't know what I want. <laughs> you took, I mean, you're very honest now about your positioning in the bunch being something that you, perhaps you had to work on when you were at Trek, or it wasn't didn't come naturally to you. How would you? It, it didn't or, come come naturally. I, I think it's also the fact that my my role was always to to help the others, and um, I was yeah. I, I always enjoyed taking the wind and kind of being the one that protected the others yeah which means i was never really in the middle of the peloton right, right. and uh um, yep. it although it was great for the others and it, it made a nice place uh, for, nice role for me in the team yeah um yeah i guess it kind of prevented me from from seeing the getting inside stuck of it, in getting stuck in yeah, yeah. Uh, on top of that i think there's a whole lot of uh confidence issues and uh i definitely had a bit of a um, imposter syndrome for quite a long time and i, I <laughs> do still with get that. it with yeah. it being uh being a, a British guy lost in an Italian team, but <laughs> well, I mean, Corotet. So, so I mean, it's a debut for you. It's a first Grand Tour for you. It's first Giro by definition, and it's the first Giro d'Italia for Corotec as well. Because, and I guess, am I right in thinking that Corotec are here effectively because um, Lotto Destiny, uh, who were offered a wild card, being no longer a World Tour team, 
for whatever reason, just went, actually, we'll pass this year, which opened the path, I guess, opened the door for Corotech to come in because they wouldn't necessarily have been one of the first-choice wildcard picks, would they? Yeah, no, that's it. Is um, that it? I'm I've not exactly sure of how, how it works, but I think the first, the top two ranked teams yep. in the world get the invitation uh, yep. automatically, but mm. they said no. Um, after that, I think it's, it's a little bit part of the race to have a, have these Italian teams that love to be in the breakaway and kind of 100%. animate the race. There's yeah. always a little bit of... I'm sure we'll do a couple of stupid things over the next couple of weeks, but <laughs> it's always nice to have a, have a bit of a chuckle on TV. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is this is going to sound like a really stupid question. and Tell me it is. But I, I wouldn't take it for granted that you have actually been in a breakaway on a, on a sort of reasonably significant race. Because I remember talking to Dan Craven. I don't know if you remember Dan from back in the day, the Namibian rider. Mm-hmm. He, he raced for a couple of years with Europe Car. And for a couple of years, he didn't make it into the breakaway. I mean, it, he completed a couple of complete seasons having tried and tried and tried to get in the break, uh, a breakaway and not Never made it. Um, Have you experienced that with I, a degree I, of regularity? <sighs> degree of regularity, I'm not sure. Because actually, when I was with Trek, my role was the opposite. With the opposite? I was the one there bringing the break back. Yeah, yes, so, yeah. Uh, no, I have made it into the break twice so far this year. Right. Um, with Corotech. So with Corotech. Yeah, yeah, so you've been with them from the beginning of the calendar year. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Full, and yeah. Uh, it was, uh, just a few weeks ago, I did it almost two times in a row. So right. it's a little bit about having the right race. Yeah. Um, obviously, if it's an uphill start, then I'm going to be hanging on for dear life and, <laughs> and having the the time cut in in mind, you know. But um, yeah. Yeah. no, I, I think it's really important for our team. So even if I need to really go deep just to be in the group and and make it onto the TV, as they say, yeah, it's really important for our sponsors, and yeah, I'll have to have to put myself through it. Because I mean, that always gets you know, uh, the Giro is a great example, but whatever the grand tour is whatever the stage race is i think that always gets underestimated and underappreciated actually a how difficult it is to get in the break b how difficult it is to be in the break once you've once you're there um and see the actual importance of it because Corot- a team like Corotech, and we'll come on to them in a bit um if you haven't got a rider in the breakaway or you're not in the break what are you, what are you in the race for you know there's there's yeah, not that's true yeah. you know you've got to do something to be in the race haven't you otherwise you're just going to float around for 21 stages and, and be anonymous well that's the thing i think there'll be a little bit of pressure on us for for that and it's always the case um we've done lots of quite high level races this year and mm. although we got strong riders we haven't quite got the riders to to finish off the job yeah um yeah. so we we'll definitely have that uh, message being passed to us on the team bus yeah yeah uh, if it doesn't happen one day, I mean, that's the nice thing about a Grand Tour is that there's always another day. Yeah. Um, for me, it's a little bit different because I, I have the first week to, to do my work. And when it comes to the big mountains, yeah, as I say, it'll be much more about, about time cut survival. and Gruppetto and yeah, survival. Yeah. survival. Yeah. Um, which races have you done so far in your program then? What have you, what, give us a flavor of what you've done to date. Uh, I started in Argentina. But, San Juan. Yeah, San Juan. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I'm British and I also live in the French mountains, so I, I go through a, a winter in the snow. And uh, <laughs> when you go from that to kind Searing of 43 heat. degrees, I ended stage two in the ambulance. No. Yeah, with, uh, with, with dehydration, basically. Well, being cooked. Wow. Yeah. And uh, that was your race done. And that was my race done, yeah, unfortunately. So that wasn't the best start. Mm. But then another extreme, I went from that to Grand Camino. Oh, oh. Yeah, where, where oh, the first oh. stage was cancelled. Yeah, so, uh, I've been, been through a lot this year. <laughs> Just all the extreme weather races. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then had a three races, three one-day races in Belgium. Nokri, of course. I just one in France, Grand Prix Denain. Denain. And uh, yeah. a third one in Belgium before yeah. Copy of Bartoli. Uh-huh. And then uh, three one-day races in France, Tour du Jura, um, Tour du Doux, and, yeah. and these ones, yeah. 
Have you had so. any anything that you would consider to be a result? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> I had one. Uh, there was one. So the reason I was in Copia Battery was because the final stage was the time trial yep. on the flat. Uh, but we had a had a stomach bug stomach bug going round in the team. Brilliant, great. And it, it hit me on the morning of the TT. So and that was you done. I mean, it was twenty twenty first, which is not too bad, given I, I threw up in the middle of the race. But you what? I, you threw up I, in I the middle up, of the yeah, race. Yeah, they saw they saw it on the car. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. It's not ideal, I suppose. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes uh, on Saturday. Yeah. I, I know from training that the legs, the condition is pretty good. Good. And uh, good. Now I finally. No, I'm in the Giro team. Well, I think so. When did you get the nod, by the way? When, when were you? Uh, about yeah. a week ago. Wow. Yeah. And were you so. um, pretty sure that you were going to be in the team, or did it, or, or was it right in the balance in your mind? <laughs> as, as with all things, it's been a roller coaster. Really. <laughs> in the start of the year, when we found out, um, I was told about the the time trials in the Giro. Yeah. And I got pretty excited about it, but with the races not quite going as I as I wanted them to, um, it became less and less sure. To the point of actually thinking I wasn't going to make it. Yeah. And then uh, being in the breakaway in the last few races I did meant that it was kind of 50-50. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, then you, you start to wonder if, if you've done the months of preparation and sacrifice just to be in a really good shape for going on holiday. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It turn, turns out, I, well, I'm not well. going to describe it as a holiday, but yeah, but it paid off in the end. Because where, so you just, you were telling me before we started recording actually where you were racing last year. I mean, it's, Talk about roller coaster, Trek Segafredo World Tour to where? Where were you last year? To Philippe Wagner Cycling. Uh, it's a French uh, amateur team in Division One. Amazing. Yeah, and uh, I was oh. doing a few regional races. I did. There were some nice races as well. I did the Tour de Normandie, yeah. which is a yeah, uh, yeah. a pretty prestigious race. But yeah. um, there were a lot of races starting in industrial zones in central France and. So, I mean, David knows all of these really well because a lot of them are quite historic, aren't they? They've kind of been around for decades and decades. Yeah, and, uh, that's the thing. And I think it's been the same organisers and the same commissaires. You yeah. can kind of see on their faces that, <laughs> that they've seen a lot of riders go past. Yeah, um, yeah. But then, then to find myself on the start line for the, for the Giro, it's really yeah. something else. Because presumably when you signed for Corotec, that wasn't part of the chat at all, was it? Oh, no. no like, it's, they it's wouldn't have been mentioned, I doubt. Actually, like, uh, on the way to Argentina uh, that we found out we were going. Right, right. Um, yeah. Actually, funny enough, uh, because at that point, what we speak Italian in the team, uh, yeah. the manager announced it to us in a, in the form of a joke. Right. He, he said to us as we got off the plane, he said, uh, "Guys, I've got some bad news. We we've got to do the Giro." <laughs> <laughs> with my kind of dodgy Italian, which is still not great right now, I yeah. understood that as us not going. So, oh, really? So was kind of you just didn't get you didn't get the sarcasm. No, so everyone's going, ah, oh, yeah, and I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> it's a shame but we got lots of other races and <laughs> someone translated to me afterwards so I said ah oh, it's not so bad actually is it yeah he said that was a joke <laughs> ah yeah, yeah ah yeah <laughs> sorry inglese <laughs> how is your Italian like uh, it's it's still getting better right um, right I I live in France and I, I speak French. And your French so is very good, borderline fluent? Or, or uh, I'm actually doing um, an economics degree in French. Right, it's half decent. So it's, it's, it's half enough. decent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just to put it kind of that way. But So it helps but because Italian is similar. But Yeah, but uh, see, I, I, I've started to work on the Giro every year and um, I'm a bit of a linguist. I speak German and I speak uh, you know reasonable French. I'm sure it's okay. not as good as yours. Um, but but you know, fairly, I can get my box my way around France and f within French fairly comfortably. 
And I thought, I've got to learn, I've got to learn Italian. I'm spending this much time here. And I thought it'd be so simple, Charlie. Yeah. To, like, because of the, you know, similar vocabulary. But actually, I'm finding it numbingly difficult. Really? Yeah. I think it's because I want it to be 100% perfect before I open my mouth. And of course, it ain't going to be. Not for a long, long, long time. Oh, it's always you know, the so same, yeah. Yeah, yeah the yeah. perfectionist in me. But do you like, understand it? Okay. I, I get the drift. I, I know what they're talking about. A bit like you, actually. Yeah, like, that's, even if I don't thing, know yeah. the detail, I... I know what's being talked about okay. and, and can get the drift. Yeah, But it's also the group conversation. So for me, when I'm one-on-one -on -one with someone or even in the team meeting because it's only the director talking, yeah. I understand probably 90%. Uh, but yeah. at the dinner table, I really... Yeah, that's when it gets I, I, breaks down. Yeah, yeah. I, d I don't need to open my mouth apart from eating when I'm at the <laughs> dinner table. So yeah. um, talk us through the team. All the riders. Yeah. Uh, we've got Valerio Conti. Who's, who's the star? Who's right? the star? Yeah, yeah. Um, he comes. He was in UAE before, also Astana, yeah. and he wore the the Madia Rosa a few years ago. Yeah, twenty nineteen or something or t something yeah. like that. So yeah. he's the, the amazingly, big, the big and this surprised me. Just doing starting my research for this, I thought he'd won a stage or two of the Giro, and I was really surprised to find he's come close, hasn't he? I think he's got his second place here and there. And yeah, the, well, well, I think he when he got the jersey, he came second. He came second, day. didn't yeah. he? Um, and then, for those who don't know, I always associate Valerio with um, Diego Ulissi, funnily enough, because mm. they're not dissimilar riders, are they? they, no. they you know, no. He's maybe not a climber for the high mountains, but he's a, you know, if there's a, if there's a three, four kilometer climb, 8K from the finish line, that's where, that's a Valerio Conti climb, isn't it? Yeah. It's that yeah, kind yeah. of, you wouldn't even call him a puncher, would you? It's that, that kind of like att attacking, aggressive climber kind of thing, isn't it? It's a, I'm, I must admit, I'm I'm not not exactly sure because on the races, uh, in the races that he's in the front, I'm normally out the back, so, <laughs> so I don't see uh, I don't see what goes on. So you don't know what he's been doing. No. Yeah, yeah. I know he's quite good though. So you, so he's the leader. If he's he's the got leader. the number one on his back, I guess. I presume so. Yeah. I presume so. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Alex uh, Konichev, who's highly rated. Yeah, yeah. and Comes obviously from from, from Mitchelton, uh, oh, yeah. or whatever the name is now. Yeah, whatever the hell they're called. Those guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's kind of the road captain. Yep. As well as being strong, he's just got this. Uh, Got a wealth of experience, and yep. Yep. his dad was also a really big rider, so he'd, he was, he's yeah, been brought up with it, yeah, 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 yeah. And presumably, uh, he's a fluent Italian speaker, he's, he's Italian, he is Italian, he's Italian. Yeah. Yeah. he yeah. speaks, to, he understands a couple of words of Russian, but not really, so, <laughs> he's just yeah, no, so he's 100% Italian, Italian. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then, well, I mean, we're all going for the breakaway, really. So, we have uh, Velko Stojnic, another foreigner, uh, Serbian, Serbian, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Karol Vacek, quite young. I think, yeah. Uh, your age. We're all, we're yeah, yeah. You're pretty young, yeah. Oh, in cycling, 24 is old now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. old man. Mikhail <laughs> <laughs> um, Vacek, who was with Kubeka uh, before. Yeah. Also a young guy. Yeah. Yep. Um, Alessandro Yaki. Yes. Um, was he with Badiani or something? One of those? Uh, he was with um, oh. Vini Zabu. Vini Zabu. That's right. Um, yeah. Stefano Gandin. Mm hmm. And this is the moment where I start to forget people. Oh, don't worry. I've, I've put you on the spot there. A couple, a couple of other guys. Yeah, a couple of other guys. 80%, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, now, now, Charlie. Yes. So, being familiar with a couple of you, a few of you, and now it's very good getting some FaceTime with you, so you'll be readily identifiable on the, uh, on the, the cycling commentary. Yeah. When you, when you guys attack to get in the break, um, and I'm kind of fumbling around guessing, trying to figure out which one of you it is. Um, have any, are there any moustaches on the team at the moment? Any moustaches? Yeah, Konishev. Konishev's got a moustache. He's got a moustache and kind of a goatee underneath Brilliant. Well. And there's no danger of him shaving it off in between now and the start? No, he's pretty proud of it, yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Konishev moustache. Um, <laughs> any other kind of like really obvious uh, tattoos, like really all kind of like piercings? Uh, or lots of tattoos. Yeah. For, for me, I would just say, watch, uh, look at the elbows. I, I tend to ride my elbows quite out, quite 
stuck fr- out. Fr- through me elbows? Through me elbows, yeah. Okay. And people in the hospital, whenever, because that happens quite often in cycling, whenever I go to hospital, they always, uh, <laughs> they always ask if I've broken my elbows. Really? No, is just, it that pronounced? Yeah, but me and my dad are, are the same. We, we both ride, uh, <laughs> yeah, sportive style. <laughs> um, apart from that, I think every, yeah. No, the others are going to be a little bit indistinguishable. Oh, we'll just have to wait. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, excellent. Yeah, you mentioned your dad. Is there, is is he perhaps the reason you got into cycling or how did you get introduced to it in the first place? Because um, it often happens, a father-son thing. But, um. Yeah, it's, it's not exactly the story this time. Uh, he did do a couple of races back when he was young, but he didn't push me into it at all. Yep. Actually, it just so happened that back in 2012 when, when Wiggins won the Tour and uh, the Olympics afterwards, uh, I just, for some reason, was interested by it. it my, I always thought of cycling as being a, a very hard sport and... Um, fun to do but yeah you had to you had to work hard to, to do anything with it but so, much so more of a touring were, on touring side of things really you were 12 years old or something like that uh 14 yeah you were 14 13, yeah 13 14 yeah uh, okay. my dad did did some bike touring he when he was a kid he used to ride he did a 20-day tour to ride up to scotland and back from okay from oxford brilliant. But, um, brilliant, brilliant but apart from that no we're not we're not really a racing family no but now he's, he's a manager for a zappy junior team Is so he? He's, he, he's been doing that since uh since i was around in the junior team so, like, you've almost dragged him into cycling rather almost, than... Almost. Kind of, we you know, did it together, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting, together. really interesting. So, you're literally that cliche about the, the tw- that year of 2012, inspire a generation and everything. You're actually flesh and blood proof that occasionally that happens. Yeah, yeah, pretty that's much. M- that's mad. And it's funny to be riding with, uh, with the guys that inspired me. Yeah. I, I remember um, I found myself, when I did the Tour de Romandie uh, a couple of years ago, I found myself in the group better with, uh, with Froome, for example. <laughs> yeah. He was a... Really, a, a really fantastic guy. Yeah, a, a really nice guy. <laughs> you know, he seems perfectly normal. Yeah, uh, and I think I, at some point I managed to get the courage to tell him that he was kind of the reason that I'm that I'm on the bike. Brilliant, right now. Brilliant. But it's the same with uh, with Geraint Thomas, with uh, Luke Rowe, all these guys that were yeah. around at that time. Yeah, and to me, it, well, to them yeah. it probably feels normal, but for me, it's uh, quite yeah. a special moment to be to be riding alongside them. Often mm-hmm. in the group better, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you nervous, Charlie? About these three weeks. I'm nervous because I, I have an economics history uh, essay due in a couple of weeks as well. <laughs> what? That's in, in about subject? a week's time. What's the subject? I've got a choice of uh, ten questions, but one of them is about summarizing kind of some big economic thinkers like Keynes and uh, right. and Smith. And How many sense. words? Uh, normally, it's two and a half, three pages. Okay, so what, like um, fifteen hundred words, something like that? Uh, around yeah. that, yeah. And so when, when's that. it due? Uh, next week. So I'll try and do it this afternoon. <laughs> oh, oh. So that's that's kind of occupying my my thoughts right now. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, in French. In French, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. apart from that, I think it, I, I tend to. I think under stress, I I deal quite well, but it has quite a physical effect on me. Yeah. So in cycling, it's not ideal. Yeah. And because of this, I, I try not to think about it too much. Really. Right. I know that I've got some big rides to do, and um, it's important to to show myself on TV and, and yeah. in front of the other teams and everything yeah. but um, I, I know that I'm capable of, of doing it physically I just got to be motivated and, and focused on what's going on but yeah, yeah I, as I as I always say I'm not, I'm not going to look too far ahead with the profiles no. and not going to read too much into the reviews about about, about uh, what's going on yeah. just got to focus on my race and, yeah. Yeah. and do what I can really do, do each of the riders get given the, the Garibaldi um, which is the road book 
the ah. actual physical book. Have you got a copy? I haven't seen it yet, no. Uh, but we got the presentation this evening, so maybe... So maybe you get given them there. Maybe get some goodies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because um, they're beautifully produced. And yeah. I, I often wonder, if, if I were a writer, how, how much I'd actually look, try and look through. David, David often says that he used to lie in bed and read them, study them quite a lot, the Tour de France, you, you know, road book, which is a thick book in itself. Yeah. And that moment where you get like halfway and it's like it's quite satisfying it's really satisfying and then the, Feels the, like it's the remaining the pages end. start to sort of like thin down but um it's, it's a little bit different now because uh don't say pdfs no. it's all a pdf uh that is also <laughs> true <laughs> but actually a lot of the research is uh, is on computer on the phone yeah. so i remember of course it is. Uh, especially last year when we didn't have so much help from the directors yeah um i would use the roadbook to look at the to look at the route and then on google maps i'd go on to street view on these different roads to yep. see if it was open and possible crosswinds and yeah. uh, see yeah. how certain corners were and yeah. this sort of thing. So a lot yeah. of it's done that way now rather than just looking at some, yeah. some pink lines on the map. Yeah. But. And are you like a fan of the sport as well? Does it, does it, is there a little bit of you in this peloton? I don't mean this disrespectfully, but you mentioned you know, riding alongside Froome in the Gruppetto, which is going to be thinking, this is the Giro d'Italia and this is, you know... I, I think so. Yeah. It's a little bit part of the job to suppress these feelings. Yeah. And just because if you respect people too much, then you end up in waiting in the back for something else to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But I will try and appreciate it, especially, well, that's why I talk about the Gruppetto quite a bit. Yeah. Because it's there that you make the most the most friendships, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. And they'll, they'll probably be more in the third week, but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a part of that. Yeah. I think outside of that, I, I'm, I'm not completely consumed by cycling although I, I love watching it and I, I feel like a fan of the sport yeah I I, I don't live in Girona and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to hack being able, being right being in, in, in the that, bubble yeah yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoy doesn't it doesn't suit everyone does it like, no and I enjoy having the normal life outside of it having normal friends that yeah. are aware of what I do but yeah just mostly see me as riding a bike around for fun but. brilliant brilliant um, and it all starts with a 19-kilometer time trial on a flat coastal road. Um, have you done the reconnaissance? Have you had, no, we no. went and had a look today. Yeah. And it's any it's features? <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> got the cl- little climb at the end. There is climb in the end. Mm, yeah. What's that like? Uh, it's not too bad. It's um, yeah, it's really not too steep actually. Right. Yeah. For commentating, it might not be that interesting, but that's right. just a time trial, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, the, but the, from what you're describing about your preferred course, this looks oh, this is perfect. For you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even with the climb, it. It's not really. It never really goes above five percent. So, you so punch through it, kind of. Yeah, yeah you can yeah. force your way through it. And it's yeah. the finish line, right? So uh, there's a little stretch afterwards, okay. a few corners in the town, right? Um, but no, it's, it's pretty straightforward, which is rare these days. Right. Right. But yeah. No, I'm right. looking forward to it. So, um, without wanting to apply any pressure, what would be a result that would satisfy you? Ooh. Or is that impossible? To say? <laughs> Yeah, but because of my perfectionism, I would say it's impossible to be <laughs> to yeah. be satisfied with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think if if I first of all is to get the get a good physical performance done, uh, and then we'll just see what the time what comes, stands comes. up. If if I could be in the top ten or tw- top twenty, I'd be happy given the the level of time trialing here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know I'll, I'll give everything and see what happens, and uh, we'll base off base everything off that for the rest of the Giro. Brilliant. And who's going to win the Giro? If not one of the Corotech riders, yeah, so, I'm, so. <laughs> I'm ready to to support Conti for for three weeks. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I th- yeah, I think it's got to be it's got to be Roglic. Even I with th- all these it's gonna all these Roglic. changes, I think it's going to be Roglic. He just knows how to do it, doesn't he? he? Just knows how to do it. Just knows how to do it. Charlie, really nice to meet you. Oh, it's Good been luck, a pleasure. And Thank I you. loved your reply because I I tweeted, you know, I'm going to be watching you 
every step of the way because it's literally my job and you replied <laughs> something about oh, I better do something interesting on a the bike then yeah that's my job because that's literally <laughs> my job really nice to meet you Charlie thank you also I just want to talk about my track of 360 so I did that 360 kilometer bike ride at the weekend you did yeah you did yeah um why um long long distance i mean obviously that's an insane distance isn't it absolutely insane yeah i, I mean it was a, so that was last saturday um and it was on the tuesday before that i was in the chat three studio and as julian who's our social media manager came in and at the same time as my wife nicole came in and nicole said oh, i heard you're sick and you're not doing the tracker which is the name of the, the event and he was like no nah, i just don't feel up to it so if you want my ticket you can have it and then she kind of joking and Nicole was like, no, David will do it though. And I was like, what? <laughs> well, I looked up from my computer, what? <laughs> and it was really weird because I was supposed to do the 100K with Nicole because there's four different distances. And the moment yeah. the opportunity came, a kind of a f- switch flicked in me and I was like, oh, I'd really like to do no. that. Why not? Do the big one. Yeah, and I, it, yeah. it's kind of, it's the, from since, since doing Cape Epic, which kind of gave me that... That renaissance, that rediscovered love of cycling and going on these adventures, which I actually, to be fair, there's no renaissance about it because I'd never done it before. I'd always raced. And I thought, oh, 360 kilometers, gravel, kind of, that sounds like <laughs> it could be really a proper adventure. And so I spent the next three days, I almost kind of just dropped the ball and everything else and started getting my bike prepared and getting all kind of fueling and just thinking about it and getting really excited like a kid. My bike's actually sitting, I can see it over there. It's still got all the stuff on it. And so on 6, <laughs> 6 a.m. on Saturday set off and I started right at the back I was honestly Ned I was petrified because I've, yeah, I've, I've never ridden that far in the yeah. first furthest I've done Milan San Remo and that was when I was race fit on tarmac in a peloton you know and even yeah. that felt pretty long yeah and, and you're a bit younger. I was a bit, and I was, yeah, and I was, yeah, many years <laughs> younger. And but I kind of got into it, and it was there was 500 of us at the start, and I kind of cruised through the first. I actually found it quite far, fast the first 100k's. I think so. I was like, why is everyone going so hard? And uh, <laughs> and then I started to kind of we hit. We did 3,600 meters climbing in the first like 107, 165k's. It's like no. a, like a mountain stage, like in the first part. Uh, all on gravel. All on or bits on time. Well, the total over the 360 k's, I think 310 or 315 were gravel. Okay. Uh, so about, and gravel about then, yeah, yeah, and about f- for 45 k's tarmac, and um, but then I kind of just started to find my rhythm in the the gravel sort of small big hills, and then I came out. We had a flat section till 246 k's, and we got to a feed zone, and I suddenly sort of kicked in and felt great, and then I did the last 120 k's on my own from 240 to 360 but then I was by this point it was getting night because we started in the dark at 6 a.m and it's getting dark at nine o'clock so I was about 14 hours in and when yeah for fifth yeah 14 hours and it started to get dark again and my lights I put them on and they died after 30 minutes Uh and I was in pitch black and Uh thank god there was a feed zone like about 5k's later 10k's later and I got a headlamp borrowed off somebody but then I only had this diffused light that was about three or four meters in front of me and so I was trying oh so so I it was it was great but then I was just creeping the last hour and there was a thunderstorm so it kind of it all (laughs) fell apart in the last hour but then but it was phenomenal so I did a total of 17 hours from start to finish 16 hours 10 minutes rolling time on the bike yeah. with like 50 minutes of stops yeah. at feed zones and I got off 
and genuinely, I don't think I've ever been as screwed as I was. I felt great on the bike, but the moment I got off, I was an absolute. Felt like I was locked in like the bike position, and uh, well, but it was a it was a proper adventure. I, I can recommend. Yes. It. We should do something like that, Ned. Like a really yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's okay. honestly, it's a, I kind of no, I, like, I would like whole new perception like of ultra because it's like you go into this sort of disappearance, this different place. And it's just you kind of out there and it's not, you think it's going to be, when you imagine those distances, which is what I've done in the past, you think it's just going to be a horrible, deteriorating, descending spiral of feelings. Mm. But actually mm. your body starts to kick in. And I think all your natural sort of hormones and painkillers kick in. And then the closer you get to the finish, the more kind of dopamine gets released and you're, everything just sort of overrides kind of what you should yeah. be feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you finish and you're absolutely screwed which I have, yeah. I have been on and off now for a week. But it's good because it's kind yeah. of, uh, and this sort of leads on to what I just wanted to talk about. So I started this, we announced this week, this collaboration with, um, it's kind of, well, I did. Uh, I'm partnering with a company called Sports Tours International, which is this British um, company. It's, it's their 50th anniversary this year. I was going to say they're yeah. really well established. Oh, super they? well established. Yeah. They started doing yeah. taking people to marathons back at, in the 70s. And yeah. in 80s, and then they got into the cycling and taking people to Le Tap de Tour and off to Lanzarote That's and different right. places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah, do a lot of different yeah. sports, but they've had a big brand refresh and new ownership, and they they really want to do something different with cycling now. And so they've asked me to come on board and partner with them to help them kind of create some new events and and help them sort of reposition their cycling. And what they do is all that stuff we see at Tour de France, where we see the helicopters and the the VIP, they do all that as well. So you can go on and they'll get, you can buy your place in a helicopter or go to the finish line what? VIP. Yeah. yeah, it's all nice. the different packages. They They do all the hospitality for the Tour de France. But I'm going to be doing some pretty special events with them starting from this year um and so if you go into the show notes you'll be able to read about it what we're doing and we're doing an event in london on may the 18th to launch it at via um tickets are available just need to rsvp but yeah if you go to the link in the show notes you can check it all out and uh because i think it's going to be a lot of fun and it's, it's a good opportunity for me to start to with this renaissance newfound love of riding my bike and going and doing things actually with a company that can facilitate the ideas and go and do some bonkers stuff and get other people to come along is the plan. Sounds like a hell of a plan. My plan is to um, rattle around Italy for three weeks uh, with Chat Stevens, who I've got to go and pick up from the airport in a, a couple of hours because he's only just arriving on the eve of the race. So, um, yeah, I look keep you posted. To. Let's well, let's see if we can maybe, yeah, maybe maybe do a pod tomorrow, maybe not, maybe Sunday, yeah, well, let's I, have a look. Yeah, well, I'm we'll around, so if not, just I'll look forward to listening to you and Chat. But, oh, all right then. I'll be definitely be around. So, okay. All right, Ned. Okay. Ciao, 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 ciao. Ned. Speak to you soon. Ciao. All right.